Welcome back to my Mr. Amazing Pod. This is your host, Kevin Pollock. Thanking you all for your ears and your heart and your love and your emails at my Mrs. at gmail.com. Thank you very much. Love hearing from each and every one of you. And um, got a very, uh, very cool episode today because it's the first time we've uh, had a director on the show. That's right. We had some guest directors on occasion. This one, uh, the great Broadway director, Scott Ellis. So I enjoyed the hell out of this. This is, um, well, it's Scott Ellis and I talking about season two, episode three, but also about him being a helmsman on the Broadway. Ooh, who could that be? Maybe that's him. Hold on. Uh, nope, was not him. <laughs> yeah, so Scott Ellis, so many insights to aspects of the making of The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel that we just haven't heard yet, okay? So I really love talking to Scott and hearing his take on this universe and his involvement in it and, you know, how Amy and Dan and he got together and the history of that and working with and for them with us. And we, we just had a ball talking about it. So thank you, Scott, and thank you, lovely listeners. Here is director extraordinaire Scott Ellis. Scott, hello. Hi, hey, Kevin. Hello. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining me on this journey through Maisel. You know, I remember the first season when you directed an episode, they kept us apart. Every season, I am uninvited to one episode. And the one episode that you directed in season That's one <laughs> was yours. <laughs> Was yeah, it was uh, was the one I wasn't in. Do they do that on purpose? Do they just sort of go, "Hey, Kevin, Scott's think, coming in, and we just don't we don't want to confuse this." Is I that it? We just give him a I, shot here. I think they it? didn't learn that until we did work together in the bank of season two, episode three, which we'll discuss okay. today. Okay. That giant fucking bank, Jesus. Yeah, it was so impressive as a bank, you know. Yeah. So I do remember though hearing from my co-stars in season one how thrilled they were. To have you, because until then, it was just Amy or Dan. You were the first guest director. Right. So I guess my initial curiosity is how were they able to get you and what was that conversation like? By the way, the, the, my memory is slipping as the years sure. go by. So I'm going to tell you what I think happens. Okay, and then, great. These if, are my favorite you, versions. <laughs> Dan and Amy, come on yeah. and say, what the hell is he talking about? Yeah. You can, what I remember very clearly is that I had met Dan and Amy for another show that they were writing and producing, and they asked me to direct on it. So I met them, and I liked them very much. I actually have a funny story. I went to a restaurant called Bar Central, which is a place above Joe Allen's. It's yeah. very in place. And we met there to just sort of get to know each other. And when we were sitting there, Cheetah Rivera came in. Sure. And just said hi to me because we know each other. And I just remember looking, going, Oh, I so have this job. I mm -hmm. so have this job because that was just so I yep. was, <laughs> I later on, I told Sheena, thanks for doing that. Anyway, that show stopped. So I never directed, I never directed on that show. So I got a call saying, Hey, there's this new show called Marvelous Space. So I didn't know about it. They'd like you to come in. They, they're only releasing one episode. And I'm not sure they'll tell you. I don't know if they were always planning to do that. Yeah. Or they were like saying, hey, we need to have a break here. I'm not sure. They certainly have done it several episodes. Right. So they sent me the pilot. I just went nuts for the pilot. I just loved it. And yeah. I said, I would love to do this. So in their mind, I think because they had met me, they knew me and because of the theater background, which right. they're very much into and all of you are theater actors. So I think that had something to do with it. So that's how the initial ask came through. 
Right. And much like the cast, I imagine for the first episode you directed, there wasn't a whole lot of advance on the script. Well, here's the thing. I don't, I, I remember walking on that set before they were shooting downtown and meeting them. And I really felt, listen, this is their baby. They're allowing someone to come in outside. And I was nervous and I could tell they were very protective of their child. I would certainly understand why. So there wasn't a script for a while. They talked about certain things and I just sort of watched for a little bit and thinking, listen, I hope I get a script that I can look at. (laughs) But I was very aware that this was a big deal that they were letting someone come in. That I was aware of, meaning, you know, I hadn't worked with them, but this was something that they were they were so given birth to, and now they were passing it on to somebody, say, okay, sort of take what we're doing and do something with it or continue working on it. So I do remember that was a big thing throughout the, the, the first episode. Yeah. And listen, as I mentioned in the introduction, when I was talking to the folks before we invited you into the Zoom world, you have this storied career. And for those of us who've been around a minute, there are special things. In fact, we were talking before we started about SmartList. There are certain things you get involved in or mentioned on, and suddenly hearing from people you haven't heard from from a long time. And I feel like Maisel, for those I've talked to so far and their involvement in the show, it was instantly one of those things that we all started to hear from people we hadn't heard from in a while. Was that your experience? A hundred percent. Remember, that was the first season. So yeah. people were just sort of discovering it. Yeah. And so hundred percent, I started here. Oh my gosh, you're directing that show. And remember, I had only seen the pilot. I hadn't yep. seen anything else. Right. They'd given me a couple of scripts, but I had not seen anything. So I didn't realize, I thought the pilot was brilliant, but it was very clear as the season went on and was being introduced to people that this was a big deal. Yeah, And luckily, I didn't know that when I was doing it. I was just trying to fill in their shoes. And they were around a lot. I sure. This. And I'm going to jump to the second time I came back. They weren't around at all. And I said, <laughs> well, we've got to find a balance here. I was so <laughs> I so appreciated. But I was like, wait a minute, guys, this is your show. You can't completely disappear. But the first time they were, you know, they watched the rehearsal. They saw what yeah. I was doing. Thank God I know how to talk with actors. So I felt very comfortable and you all are an incredible group of actors. So it was so incredibly fun for me, but they were very much looking and making sure it was staying on track. Once they felt comfortable with me, then they completely left me. And I was like, no, no, you can't leave me because if I do something wrong, which I will, this is not going to be good. And I imagine the experience in post of your season one episode versus your season two episode was probably a bit different also. Yeah, well, you know, here's the thing, what I do. I mean, every director is different, you know, but when you're coming in, you sort of say, listen, I'll do my edit, but the creators are going to change. You know, I'm not going to do too much. You know, I'm going to give you what I imagined it would be for me, but I'm not going to make cuts. I'm not going to do that stuff because that's going to be them. So I'm respectful when I'm, unless it's a pilot, then I'm much heavier into it. Yeah. For this particular, he's I I put it in the way that I had imagined it, and luckily it was you know, it was you know good enough that they they liked it. So yeah, you know. they're that strange writing team where we get scripts the eleventh hour as cast members, anyways, and it's the worst for of course Rachel because oh, we start shooting God. the very next morning, and she oh, on oh. our eighty four paid script, she's speaking very quickly on seventy nine of them. So 
you know, there's that aspect, but also Amy and Dan have that thing where, yes, it's 11th hour on the scripts, but the rewrites that every other show is inundated with isn't a reality. The rewrites we get, the blue pages, are only show up after we've shot those scenes (laughs) because something might have been changed on the moment. They're not. There are no changes almost after the table read. Almost zero. Almost pretty. You're absolutely right. There's very once. I think there's some cuts here and there. You know, over the years, there's some things of tightening some things or some lines. But for the most part, you're absolutely right. There's not a huge. It's not a huge wash. Yeah, yeah. Even that aspect is so bizarre. There's so many aspects about this particular show that are just not like the others. Yeah. Yeah. So once you got to see season one and also hear from people and see the reaction, when you are invited back, we're thrilled. What is our, you know, when to speak of season two, episode three, where we were allowed to work together. Thank God. Yeah. Uh, were they just lucky to catch you in a time also when you were around? Yes. I've had a, because my passion and love is theater. Mm-hmm. I made it, when I started branching into television, I'm so grateful I did. I've worked with, I mean, here's a perfect example, incredible show with incredible actors, great writer. So why as a director wouldn't I want to do that? So I count myself incredibly lucky, but I made a deal with myself that I would never, ever say yes to a television project unless I knew what my next theater project was. Mm, wow. So I would never say that because I never wanted it to get into the way of a possibility. Luckily, for the most part, I sort of know what my theater stuff is in advance enough sure. Sure. that I usually can say yes, but sometimes I've said, no, I, I, no, I can't do that yet. So when they came back on season two and throughout the seasons, I know they've offered more than one in a season, but my schedule just never matches up. So yeah. I'm always grateful when it does. And as I said, they came back every single season, but season two, the second time when I realized they liked it and they were happy with it and they wanted me back, uh, that was a huge thing. And luckily we found the time, you know, but they, they usually come because they know, because they do all of them. They know which one they really want someone to do. And if you can't fit in that, it's tricky. Yes. 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 Of course. Uh, Of course. But as I said, in that second year, when yeah. I was there, they were nowhere to be found. <laughs> well, everything <laughs> was different. I was, yeah. I mean, listen, you had a very successful show. By that time, I, they, they had trusted me. But I, as I said, I remember going to the office saying, no, 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 this is not going to work for me. You've got to be, you, I've got to be able to ask you questions and stuff. And I love that they trusted me. I, it was, I was, it was such an honor. But also Dan and Amy, you know, they are incredible directors. Every director works differently. Sure. Every director. I lean into the actors because that's what I was. That's what I'm comfortable with. So I lean into that. So I'm comfortable with that. But they're both different type of directors, but they're both terrific directors. So I started learning a lot from them, a lot from watching them, a lot from episodes. I shoot differently shows because of my work on Mesa, 100%. Wow. Wow. 100%. Absolutely. First of all, and I do it in theater too now. I say, now we're going to mazel it up. <laughs> and does that just mean an eight page one that just means, well, no, first of all, it means just pick it all up. You're going to yeah. you talk faster. Yeah. And I'm always, no matter what show I'm doing now, I told them, I said, I always hear them in the background. Just pick it up. Just pick it up a little bit. You know, yeah, so yeah. I call mazeling it. I mazel it. I say, we're going to mazel it now. That so, is fantastic. Yeah. yeah, it yeah. is the only direction I've received in five seasons from Amy. <laughs> Singularly. 
never ever anything about performance or 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 anything just pace it up just pace it up pace, pace it up, up. I mean, yeah. they write in a very you know specific way and i i don't think that's ever my first note but eventually i get to it because that's that's what they do yeah but and those wonders that they do all of that stuff is very something that i absolutely 100 learned on this show i was not doing that before yeah, I'm allegedly directing something I wrote soon, and all I'm thinking as I'm storyboarding is, well, this could be a wonder. Oh, that mm-hmm. could be a wonder. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, dear, oh, dear. Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about episode three, season two, when they allowed us to work together. But first, yes. it begins the episode of B. Altman. And I am curious, because I think you had B. Altman also in your episode from the first season. No? Yes, I think. Uh, okay, that's a really good question, and I should know that. I'm fairly certain, because I made a point okay. of looking it up. I don't know why good. I instantly forgot. Okay. Yes, episode six, called Mrs. X at the Gaslight. So it does include Mary from B. Altman. Those are the only scenes Mary, the character of Mary from Aaron Drake, is in. So yeah, there was some B. Altman stuff in episode six, Mrs. X at the Gaslight. So I am curious about that set and working within that world well yeah i mean first of all you had the operators you know and the other which was so fascinating you so you had that whole set and i had seen what dan and amy and amy specifically using the camera how they were shooting that was pretty remarkable yeah so i'd learned a little from that but i remember going upstairs to the actual the altman's going how do I choreograph it? And, you know, Amy is, you know, she dances with that camera. She really does. She's, yeah. I mean, she was a dancer. So she dances with that camera. Luckily, I'm comfortable with movement. So I remember being up there looking and going, how can I create as much of a wonder as I can through this up department store? Yeah. And did pretty well with it, if I recall. You know, we did, <laughs> yes. it did pretty good in that way. Yeah. But that was only because of what they had done. And that store was, you know what? You're right. Because I went in and I saw that before it became B. Altman's. It was not B. Altman's. B. So I remember going in and looking at that space yeah. before they did anything with it. So right. whatever, wherever that was. And then when you come back and you see what they Bill did, it really is. It's just mind-blowing. It's just what, it's just unbelievable. You know? Yeah. Bill Groom and his team on the yeah. uh, production design and art direction is, it's otherworldly. Yeah. yeah. It's another world, you know? So I think that was right. I went in there, I saw the empty space and then started talking and of what they were thinking of. And, you know, I gave my two and a half suggestions, but it was that whole first part of her coming up from the basement. It never stopped. Just right back and forth and switch. Yeah. Yes. Oh, God. Yes. I'm trying to think if you worked with our genius multi award winning cinematographer, David Mullen. I did not. This is the first season right now. This is what I just finished. Yeah. That's my first time. Before it was Eric. Yes. It was Eric, who was who I worked with first. Right, time, right, right. Who was just brilliant, you know? Yeah. And, uh, yeah. So it was, yeah, it was him. And uh, I was lucky. I was very lucky. So I will say the opening of episode. Three, season two, is actually in the Weissman apartment, and each of the members are trying to get out of the apartment to start their day, and Zelda's not there. And it really is how these three somewhat adults function without her as they attempt to get out the door. And it was a very rare, I felt, time with them in their home 
doing only sort of domestic things to start their day. And I just thought the pacing, the timing, of course, but uh, also the shot selection, everything was pretty magical. And we did, I don't know if they had done a lot of this prior and it became an insecurity with me, which is I asked for it. We rehearsed that a lot way yes. before we shot it. Way before oh. we shot it. Oh. I mean, days before we shot it, I said, wow. can I have a separate rehearsal? Which a, I don't think that was not something they do. That's a luxury. I, yeah. And since then, I've actually done it more than they do it. And right. well, the truth is, they don't need to do it. They're writing it in their mind. They know exactly. I have to sort of discover it. So I absolutely remember asking, not them, but the AD saying, can we, is there time that I can come in days before? with the dp and can i play with can i basically rehearse it like a play can i yeah. rehearse that and i think that helped us be successful with that it would not have happened even if i would have worked it on a page and said day up we got the timing we were able to rehearse i was able to make changes uh, you know and then it's so it, smart it worked yeah it worked. so smart and a, yeah. an amazing heads up for anyone out there ever attempting such madness. Yes. Yeah. Because rehearsal in almost every form other than a play of performance doesn't really exist. I mean, we talk about the eight page wonders all the time in Amy and Dan's world. And what happens is, is there are potentially a couple of hours of rehearsal before those wonders. Before you shoot. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Not days before, just right. Before. Not days, just before. Absolutely. And that, yeah. of course that happens, but you know, the idea of being able to get to an actor, put a script in their hand, just very much coming from the background of theater and be able to walk through it, yeah. and get a feel of that and make some changes, you know, from an actor's point of view, not dialogue, but just that action or props or all of that is so incredibly helpful. Yes. And again, it, I push it as much as I can. And it probably comes from the insecurity of I got to make sure this is working. But I also feel like the pace of actors being able to discover that and learn that makes a big difference. You know, yeah. you can cut around it, but what, but you don't, but don't just be yeah. active with it. You know, yeah. it's going to be different, you know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's just incredible to hear in detail the process. Yeah. So yeah, from the Weissman apartment, then we go to the call center and then it is the ginormous bank in Brooklyn. Yeah. Yeah, that hall, that room reeked of the period, and it was all so amazing. And then just yeah. a little tiny area for that a desk. Tiny desk. Little, that little desk in that huge space. Yeah. Huge space. Which you share with the viewer. I mean, the nature of it is, and, you know, Mush comments on it at the beginning of the scene that it, the bank is trying to compete with God in terms of the visual. Yeah. But, you know... You still need to frame and do it in a way that is subtle, but also intimidating. I mean, there was there's a lot of nuance there, and I I love yeah. it. I mean, I have to say the moment we scouted that, you know, they were showing us a lot of things. And the, the moment you walked in there, first of all, it sort of took your breath away because yeah. it was just so, so beautiful and so of its time. So you just thought, oh, my God. And honestly, you just I just thought, oh, well, that's it. You just start with that large shot. You just start with that piece. You know, yeah. you see what that space is. Yeah. And that just tells you immediately where you are. And then you're able to zero down on that desk in the very back. <laughs> just, you know, find the Jews. <laughs> let, let, let the camera, Tommy, Tommy, let the camera find the Jews. Find it. Go for the Jews. Always. Tommy? You're I don't know good. who Tommy is. <laughs> Tommy was the actor, wonderful actor who played Curran 
who we find out is the brother to Archie. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. And he was wonderful. Yes, he was terrific. Off camera, I was certainly putting him through his paces, (laughs) as I like to do with people who come by. And they're all, (laughs) (laughs) they're mostly entertained. Come on. I think they are. Yeah. Yeah. But that was your first time with Shirley and Moish. Yes. First time. First time. Yeah. So, I mean, I would be remiss if I didn't ask to speak quickly about that because you know the introduction of new actors for a director is um it's always i'm not going to say challenging but we didn't have rehearsal and we so, didn't have rehearsal we didn't yeah. have rehearsal you know of course i knew who you both were and that that relationship was already there so from a director's point of view you're ahead of the game if you already have that but yeah. it's all you know it's also just being able to catch up a little bit talk to the actors both of you who who and i will say that's not because we're on the podcast but you know both of you specifically you not for one moment did i ever feel like yeah we know what we're doing we've been here we've done this we don't we don't need there was nothing but respect and listening and trying nothing and that doesn't always happen sure and especially if you're working with a new director and not the two that are doing all of that you know but yeah i never felt anything but that from both of you Okay, good, good. Yes. <laughs> I, you never know what, what you never impression know. <laughs> you're making. But also, now, oh, I should ask, had you, in fact, watched the whole first season, because it had dropped between Thanksgiving and Christmas, and then five days later, won a Golden Globe. So it already had all this attention on it instantly. The end of the year before we went back to work for season two, um, it wasn't until we got to the Catskills. I remember we were sitting there when the Emmy nominations came out, and that was all the buzz when we were trying to actually shoot and work. Right. But so I'm curious, were you able, because I know you're also crazy busy, able to watch the entire season? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you and by the yeah. way, why wouldn't I? Because it's a great show. So, so of course I'm going to watch it because I'm going to just learn more thinking right. I'm coming back. So I've got to keep up with the story, uh, right. and the characters, but I also love the show. So also a, a sense of relief. Oh, good. I did. I did bet on the right. Yes. Now. Yes. I did. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Listen, there's a flyer at some point. Yes. The pilot was the greatest calling card of the last 20 years in television. I'm just going to say it because I'm biased. Yep. But it yeah, was. there was no in-laws in the pilot also. So when I had my introduction to Amy and Dan, it, all I had was this calling card as well. And you're right. You look at it and you go, oh, OK. So, mm-hmm. wow. Let's talk about the next. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So the next a uh, moment I wanted to talk about was the very tricky, and in your case, seamless and beautiful montage, which I'm sure was on the page of the three comedy clubs as Midge is going through the mini arc of the evolution of her stand-up. It sort of happens in this montage where we're seeing her talk about her life in three different clubs. But I was looking at it today thinking that was a lot of work. It was three different Mm -hmm. locations. It was tiny little pieces. What was, do you have memories or anything from that? Yeah, it was difficult. (laughs) That's what I remember. You know, you you look at it and go, oh man, okay. So how do we tell this story you know, and montages always make me nervous because yeah. A, we've seen a lot of them. B, you have to tell this specific story visually. So it's a lot of 
you know, trying to figure out how am I going to tell this montage? How am I? And I, I remember sitting down with the DP and talking a lot about this as far as what are ins, what are our outs? How do we, how do we get her? How do we do this arc? You know, yeah. and, uh, and it's always, here's the thing for me too, just because I love actors, but I also lean very much on the actors as far as, you know, helping with that arc, you know, with Rachel really figuring out how the growth happens, how, you know, and that will be talked about, or, you know, you, you have great actors in this thing. So they come to the table already wanting to ask questions or with ideas. And so that's how you begin. Yeah. Well, I guess yeah. we should talk about Rachel, which mm -hmm. I'm not sure we have yet because, yeah, yeah she re is not just the core, but she became the mother hen to the rest yeah. of us instantly. Yeah. Um, the trajectory from her just as a person and an actress from season one to where you came back to work with us in early season two, her life had already changed drastically. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I only found her to become more sweet and genuine <laughs> and loving. And yeah. Uh, 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 yeah. Yeah. I mean, Listen, you, you, you were that, I mean, you all saw, we all saw, we all saw what happened with her yeah. and the show and her actors. And we've seen it. We see actors can take a left turn or a right turn and it happens all the time. And the left turn, you go, okay, you made a left turn and I'm not going to fault you for that because this is a lot to deal with. But yeah. when they take the right turn, a right, and they only connect even further with the project, even get more loving about it and appreciating what it is and the collaboration, it's pretty incredible. And again, I don't think it always happens. Quite rare. Quite rare. Yeah, quite rare. And I had, was able to see it with such a clear eye coming back yearly. So I was away knowing what was happening and then coming back yeah. and seeing nothing except really the same person except understanding the responsibility and bringing that gift to the work and that role. And it was remarkable. I mean, I'm skipping all the way to the one I just did. Yeah. And there were things that she, and I thought, we know this is, you know, we're wrapping up here, you know, and yet there was not one moment no. of her going, I got to get out of here, meaning I'm on to the next. It, there was nothing except I want to make sure I get this right. Every single for moment. For every single moment. And that's rare. Yeah. That's just rare. She is a true inspiration. And, yeah. And man, oh, man, did we all. You know, you have to rise up to, you know, you're always going to have a leader. And that leader sets that tone. Yeah. In anything, whether it's theater, television, whatever it is, she's the leader and she sets that tone. And everyone has to come up to that. Everything right. has to come up to that level. Yeah. And it is extraordinarily rare for someone to be that young. Oh, God. To be handed the keys to the kingdom. And you're right. The right or, if I may, correct turn mm -hmm. in that moment was, well, then, you ain't seen nothing yet. That's right. Which is just That's right. Yeah. 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 Columbia University, Tony, <laughs> Rose, the naked man, the, yeah. their reactions each, well, Rose in particular, we'll start with. I mean, there's nine ways to play every beat. Her and your choice of what to do of the hyperventilating, almost passing out. It just felt not only organic and real, but choices I hadn't seen before. I really, you felt like, oh, no, this person might die. I mean, it really was 
pretty exceptional. First of all, it having just done take me out with male nudity, it's it's sure, still sure. still something that people are like, oh, wait a minute. I didn't let any of them see the model until we were shooting. So great. So I said there was no you will see the model when you shoot. And that guy <sighs> was fabulous. He was yep. so great. And uh, but I said, I'll tell you when you can drop the towel and you can do it. And that has to be so that was on both of those reactions. I just said, don't do anything. It's got to be this moment. Because here's the thing. You're going to have to repeat stuff, but you'll never have the first experience. You will. There'll always be a first experience. Yeah. And, and you, you made it so impactful for her that she then has sense memory on that reality. That's right. For every take afterward. Yeah. Yeah. So that there's just an inner connection that as yeah. all actors are human beings, when you see something that you know, <laughs> knocks you or that surprises you. That's a hard thing to forget. You know, yep. I'm not talking about nudity. It could be anything, but the fact that it was and that it was the surprise and the first moment and the honesty of it, then that's what you're going to feed off of afterwards. Yeah. So, yes. And plus, they're two brilliant actors. So, you know, you have that too, but that's really the core of it to find that reality and that truth. Yeah. Well, you have a, a wonderful touch with actors. You said it, it's your happy place or indicated, but for a scene like with Rose with the other art students, where she basically talks them out of a pursuit, yeah, yeah. right? Yeah. The slow reveal of everyone's reality based on what she's saying, man, oh man, was that beautiful also. Because mm -hmm. each actress sort of had a different take on the information being shared. And talk to me a little bit about that, because when people come in for a day, or yeah. two, it's also not easy. It's tricky. And I always am so respectful to those actors who come in as guest stars because yeah. they're coming into a world that's been there working, family, and you're an outsider coming in. So for me, it is so important to sort of take their hand and bring them in and connect with them and make them feel as comfortable as yeah. they can be That's for it. this thing, because it's frightening. It's so you poor actors coming in and all of this. So, that's something I always do. And that scene was very clearly, we talked, we sat, we read, we talked a little bit of history. We just relaxed the new people into it. So they were able to connect and work the play and feel part of the well, process. Well, that's it. That's it. You know, that's yeah. what it is. To allow them to flourish. To allow them. Absolutely. Yeah. And to say, what do you think? It, does this feel right to you? If it doesn't, let me know. It's not yeah. so many times, and I've seen it, that you... Stand here, say it this way, boom, this, and you're gone. Well, that's not right, you know. So no. That's no. not good. No, no. Yeah, it really was. I just love, there are a lot of shorter scenes I felt in this episode, or so it felt, which just meant more individual moments and beats. And I just remember that one also stood out for me. And then the next one that really hit me of just the absolute genius of Tony Shalhoub mm. is when he is forced to meet with, I think, the dean mm. about Rose's behavior and her talking those young students into choosing other paths. And Abe is called in. And there, I had to watch it three times. There is this moment where the dean basically says, so I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. He's just apologizing the whole time. I'm so sorry, but Rose is done. Oh, you must have just died with what Tony Shalhoub gave you in... There are three beats of the word no. And the first one is almost involuntary. No. And 
<laughs> and the next one uh, is him reassuring himself, no. And then there's that third one, nope. And it's just, I don't know if all that was on the page. I just know if it was, it didn't matter. It doesn't matter. I don't once it's in Tony's hands. It's it, once you once you give anything to him, yeah, you, you know, that that's it. You're golden. You know, there, oh. there's just you are just golden. That yeah, and by the he, way, and yeah, I would so much like to say, yeah, as a director, I really helped shape that. Oh, way <laughs> away. That's Tony. He just gives him something and you and he constantly surprises you. And that what you just did, well, no other actor can do that. I don't think. You know. Yeah. Come yeah. Up with that. So that's uh that's Tony. You put him in that situation and uh and he just, just he starts giving you that stuff and you just go, Well, that's it. You know? Yeah. It's just beautiful. And also the yeah. way when once he brings in Rose and the way it was yes. constructed, even on the page, just in terms yes. of the turnaround and the actor playing the Dean also at the end of that gave us a look of this might not go Abe's way. <laughs> yes, Abe and Rose seem to have got what they wanted, but it might yeah. not work out. <laughs> might not work out. <laughs> yeah, we didn't know it at the time, but it was uh, an exit strategy. And also the walk and talk. I want to know that like a three or four piece walk and talk with Abe and his students. Again, oh, yeah. these little tiny scenes that you had to. Yeah, well, I mean, we started in that classroom tiny. You know, with all those all tiny, tiny, tiny. Yeah. And then you've got to pick up and you start going. And when I saw the outside of Columbia where we shot across and there's that one shot where you pull way back yes you pay way back and you see them just thing the ducks, and by the, the way duckling. again the ducklings just following that and people stumbling and by the way would love to sit here and go yeah that was what i imagined <laughs> it wasn't that was eric the dp who's brilliant who said you know what if you pull the camera way back you'll see the story differently and of course wow. the moment he did that i said well that's sort of brilliant yeah but to start in that room and to actively get those kids up and following stumbling so to speak jumping over chair we put obstacles in the way in that hallway because i said all of you whatever's in the way you better get in the front of the line you better not miss one thing he's saying so we would wow. fill in obstacles throughout yeah. so they would have to deal with that yeah. whoa 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 yes yeah so great yeah. but so much more work than on the page of abe is on the move and all the students follow him and he's just talking that's right. That's right. To break it into four pieces of just mm, chef's kiss. Yeah. 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 No, it was pretty great. And I don't remember, again, you know, we get the scripts and it's my part, my part, bullshit, 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 <laughs> my part. But the Susie's apartment of it all with the Italian family living there. And there's one moment where she's on the phone with Midge and Midge says, what's that sound in the background? It's the Italian family laughing at Italian television because a kid is just outside the window performing. Oh, God. Tell yeah. me whatever about that, please. You know, just... well, first of all, that space, you know, it looks small on television. I mean, and when you watch it, and it is small. Yeah. You know, that is a that is not a big space. Sometimes you can look at spaces and go, oh, they made it. No, no, no. That is a tiny, tiny, small little space, which already helps you with yeah. what the action is and how you're going to react in that environment, you know? Right. So, you are sort of forced to stage it like a play where it's on. Yeah. You sort of have to, which yeah. is sometimes you can go, Oh, wow, this is a problem. And other times you go, Oh no, I'm so happy that yeah. I can't do that. I've right. got to find a way to make that work. 
which in the NAT space, that's exactly what it was. And the, the, I didn't design that, but the fact that, you know, it was below ground and you always saw people walking, you know, yes. pass was so incredible. But and, we've never uh, really you know, focused on that back window ever before or since right, until that right. kid was performing yeah, in kid it. Kid Oh, and he did a commercial. He had a little can of something. Yeah. I mean, when you're so <laughs> when you're talking to that young actor, just the varying temperature, because uh, I never felt like he was pushing. I never felt no, like he was no, no, yeah. What the hell? How? But yeah. You just have those kids. That, you need, listen, Cindy does a remarkable Tolan is a great casting director, a great yeah. casting director, and this show sort of demands that. There's a theatricality to the cast that comes in, but also a pure, honest, real, grounded. You know, you can't do this type of situation in comedy or whatever you want to do it without being totally grounded, you know, yes, yeah. with those stakes. And that kid just understood that, you know. Yeah. And so there was, a, you know, maybe there was some times when it pushed a little bit on some of it, but he was, you know, good enough to be able to pull back and just do it, you know. Yeah. And my whole thing was just make, make those other people laugh, you know, make them laugh. Yeah, it's just beautiful. And another small little set is Joel's bedroom. He's back at uh, Shirley and Moisha's. Yeah. And Archie, his best friend, comes to visit. And that was another little theater piece that I felt the staging was great. And yeah, Shirley being out of touch with what's going on. Your sword fights, she says. I'll leave you here with your sword fights. And yeah. Yeah. And again, yeah. you embrace that space, you embrace that bedroom, you embrace someone coming back into a, it's like going back. I remember when I went back to uh, my home, yeah. you know, when I grew up and you went, oh, oh my God, it's just so small. Uh, what what I, happened? Yeah. What, yeah. What, 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 what do you mean I lived in here? You know, yeah. you just, you remember. So you just have to, no matter how, when you left it, to come back and go, my God, I grew up in this place and now i'm back and well, that is but the world yeah. that you and the team created because watching yeah. it today i was thinking oh okay that room made sense when he was nine that's right that's right does not make sense now no <laughs> no longer it was a great room at nine a yeah. great room at nine. yes yeah. yeah and i had one scene in that room it was a flashback of or the next day after his bar mitzvah and we're going through his envelopes and moish is basically taking his money to pay for the but it's a flashback and so you know i it's just us in the bed and i didn't have any perspective like i did watching this episode as a viewer Mm -hmm. of capturing that tiny box where the heartbreaking humanity of what the character of joel is going through is just so perfectly captured so thank you And sitting on that bed with those two. And then we go to the church, the parish, where friend Mary from B. Altman's is going to get married. And the ceiling with the peeling paint. I mean, all the little details. And we didn't touch that place. Really? No, that was there where we went to scout. Oh, oh my God, Scott. That was it. There it is. We didn't touch it. You see it. We really didn't. It was like that, oh, my God, that sad little room. How happy are you when you see that at the scout and you see the ceiling? Yeah. I mean, also the room, I remember because the ceilings are low, so you're always a little curious and and just how you do that. But, you you know, pushing that table back in that room with that nun and that peeling paint and you sort of just walk in and if, if you're lucky, those things, they do a lot of work for you. And that the moment you walked in, you went, well, there's there's this, you know, so. Yeah. The punishment room. 
the punishment room <laughs> is well, how it was referred to. And the young actress in the back that was crying. And, oh my gosh. Because <laughs> she had been punished. And Midge even has a moment where she says she won't be at the wedding, though, right? And But then you got the window room. And you know, when you hear, when you're watching the show, there's a place called the window room, but you can't get that. You'll never get that. And then Midge negotiates the way great Jews do. And you, as the director, get to give us the window room. And, you know, expectations are high in terms of the visual and the staging of the window room. Was that area, just in terms of production, small, medium, large? Would it seem generous? I would have to say, I mean, I've done larger, God knows, in Maisel. But it was pretty large because there was a lot going on, a lot going on in that scene. There was a lot of stories that we were sort of pulling together, and especially just a story. But so it was pretty large to sort of figure out, okay, well, where are we putting people in? How are we filling this space? Because it was actually a large space. You yeah. know, it was not small, just the opposite of where we were. So it, it it took a while to figure out how best to tell this story in this space. And we circled the whole thing. It wasn't just, you know, we didn't fourth ball it. I mean, sure, sure. We did the whole. You know, we got to see nooks and crannies. You know, there's the you know, the wedding yeah. party at the table, listening to Midge. Also, I thought your camera work was amazing when Midge gets up on the chair and just on the chair. It's, it's a good venue for her. It's a good venue to let's try some stuff. It's a good venue. But Go also, having been on a stage and bombed, your coverage and choices of the audience when things weren't going well. You know, that's a tough one because viewing wise. Not hearing laughs is going to instantly, you know, evoke a lot of how things are going. But your choice of coverage in terms of who to show reacting to it was just beautiful. Well, it's interesting. I so clearly remember that day because at Mm. the end of it, I made a very big deal about all the extras that were there in that space because they were great. They were really, really great. And Listen, sometimes you can get on sets and the casting of groups or it's working too hard. That group was so good that it allowed me to go and shoot them because they were in the moment. It just takes one person mugging to ruin them. It just not and you do it. And and it happens. And you have to I mean, it happened it it happened recently when I was just finishing this episode. It happens. But for the most part, and then you gotta go in and fix that up. But I remember so clearly how great that group was and how they understood what Midge was doing, where comedy was, I mean, where the funny was, where the funny wasn't. And so they helped tell that. So in some weird way, I mean, this is, we talked about it. They certainly said, but it made my job easier because they were really good. So I could take a camera and throw it on anybody I wanted to. And they were helping me tell the story. What a gift. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, truly. Also, a lot of people at the stage deli to capture and weigh in on. So again, it's atmospheric, but it's also very kind of special breed of people that we're being introduced to and entertained by in terms of the characters, the guy passing by the table. No, no, you call me because we've realized, Susie, it costs too much to call people. The Harry Drake stopped by with David Pamer. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Buddy. I knew David. We did the Broadway show Grease together. That's how long I've known him. I was an actor and we were in the same Broadway what? company of Grease. Yeah. What? Yeah. That's how I knew David. What year Isn't that was crazy? this? Yes. It must have been. Well, listen, I graduated in 78 from Goodman School go. Drama and I went right to New York 
in that show and David was in it. So I've known him for a long time. So what that was a gift come back. Yes. See him there. Following yeah. we sort of followed each other's career as mind changing from an actor to a director and his just becoming so incredible. And I saw him recently because I went down to see a show. Oh good. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Anyway, you know that room that was also I had never shot there. But what I loved about that space also were the mirrors. Yeah. The mirrors, which sometimes you can walk in and get so scared of that. And you know, sure. how do you do it? But I, I just, I loved it. And Eric was so great. The DP was so great with it. And up discovering where shots we would start. And I remember we were in our cigarette machine at one point in a mirror and pulled out. And, uh, you yes. know, so it was really fun. Yeah. Even the choice of the Billy J, I want to say the all important booking agent, handsome fella guy at the back that Harry's talking to and Susie's uh, attempting to send Midge over to flirt with. The capturing of that, too, was very cinematic and cool. Yeah. I remember thinking, this actor didn't say a word and we know exactly, we know exactly. What's yeah. going on. Yeah. 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 yeah, that was yeah. really beautiful. Yeah. And then we have, let's see, uh, there's a couple more things. Oh, yes, yes. The Maisel and Roth. Joel is treasure hunting and Midge catches up with him. We get the sense it's late at night. She's going to help him find the money. And then we discover his, what will become his new apartment. Talk a little bit about that space. Was that before we moved it onto the soundstage? No, we had put we the apartment... Was already oh, on that's this. a really good yes we split it up right we shot everything in that environment of of where they were looking in the map and then we cut it you know as they were heading toward the door we cut and then we went on stage and that was all built you know and yeah. we matched it you know so, yeah beautifully yeah. but that's, I don't think... that first that first space is that was pretty magnificent you know and uh yeah that place in the actual Shmata district yeah is glorious and has been there building suits for United States. That they still do that. Yeah, yeah. That they're still there and those guys yeah. are still there and there's, it's pretty remarkable. Yeah. Know, so, but also very seamless. That's why I had to ask in terms yes. of the transition from that world to what would, I guess they had committed to this is going to be his apartment. That's right. That's it. So, Let's and introduce we introduce it. Introduce it. And we did that was being built and we had to go look at that and really be able to, I sort of had to figure out shot wise what we were doing only because we needed to match whatever we we're going to be on the other side i remember that but that space that bill did you know on stage was so remarkable that that apartment uh, and it was that aha moment you know that the bells when that that door opened and that light the lighting i thought was so cool you know coming in just yes. going what is this what can this space be because you're not going to think about it until you see wait a minute this could work and then to open it she turns the light on. Light on. That's right. Yeah. That's right. She turns it on. There it is. Yeah. Oh, it's yeah. it's it was big and magical. Yeah. Um, and then the last scene in the music in record shop where Susie mm. discovers the album. Was that a practical? It must, yeah. it must yeah. Yeah, it was downtown. They didn't do too much with that space. That space is pretty much what it is. That's what Those I thought. Guys, yeah. yeah, it's they changed records out just because right. they needed to but they whoever owns that that they, they sell records they sell those records i yeah. even i think i i think i bought a few things down there actually when i, I was probably there scouting i thought oh and again you know your challenge because it was really small space i mean that's a that space is tiny yeah. so to 
figure that and pull it through and, and her finding the record and putting it on that album you know yeah so. there again it almost did have to be staged a little bit she's in the it's proscenium yeah, yeah. You're, which is you're great that if I, yes yeah a lot of that you know that stuff works for this show you mm. know uh, mm-hmm. it really does trusting that you know and it really yeah you know sometimes you get complicated but a lot of times it's just let it be Well, that's it. In this episode, for you, I felt watching it and trying to be mindful of the various milieus. There were more I felt in this episode than normal. And some of them were tiny, tiny, tiny postage stamp. And other ones were huge. Like you mentioned, Eric said, what if we pull the camera back? And then you just see a world that opens up. Yeah, yeah. Well, listen, I don't want to keep any longer. You've given us at me tremendous insight into an episode that i loved watching again today it is a magical episode truly honestly and i cannot thank you enough for your involvement and leadership then and your sharing these insights now i find myself very 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 lucky to have been on this show to work (laughs) with these actors you on the top i mean that's been a real gift for me real gift listen if this wasn't too painful since you did come back on the show season after season i might come calling again i have stories i have stories on, on another good. series that good 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 to me i have yes. some good stories great for sure well thank you honestly right, and thank truly you. a joy Please total joy continue and be safe and well thank you there it is for you hey thank you scott ellis how about that how about that you know I never, uh, I never tire. First, there's the the doing of the show. Then there's the recording of these interviews, which I revealed uh, in a previous podcast episode. I revealed that these recordings you're listening to were pre-recorded while we were shooting season five. I gathered these folks to look back, and um, you know, I had everybody sort of a captive audience. Uh, I knew their schedules, and so um, there's another one, Scott Ellis, great director. Any follow-up questions for Scott about or me about this episode? Please write to us at my Mrs. Maisel Potty gmail.com. In fact, let's open up the mailbag now, shall we? And today's fan mail question comes to Marin from Alice. It reads, Dear Kevin, love your podcast. However, you should change the name to my Mrs. Maisel Pod Masterclass. What? I feel like I'm sitting front and center, not behind the scenes, but to the inner workings of an actor's mind. The ups and downs, insecurities, what it's like to audition, hoping to find something that showcases their work. It's so raw. My question is for Marin Hinkle. Did you enjoy as much as your fans did when under hypnosis you did Midge's stand-up act? Have enjoyed your work and was thrilled you were on Mrs. Maisel. Signed, Alice. And now, what a great question, by the way. Yeah, those scenes were just, oh man, thing of beauty. Here now, Marin Hinkle's answer to your question, Alice. Okay, this scene. This scene like so many of the scenes that I got to do. But this scene makes me look at Amy and Dan and say, I think you both are true mad scientists slash, you know, geniuses, because how did they come up with the idea that Rose was going to get hypnotized and, you know, become her daughter Midge, played by the great Rachel Brosnahan, who is up there doing stand-up acting like Rose. Like how, how many, you know, how meta is that? How many layers, how many different kind of like beyond, beyond things were going on as they wrote that scene? 
And when I got the scene, I remember calling Rachel going like, hey, uh, you know, how do you do this? How do you actually get up in front of hundreds of people and not be so afraid that you won't be funny? And she did actually say, well, good news. The background actors are insanely good. And on top of it, they actually will laugh. Like even if you're not funny, they're going to laugh. And that was very helpful because I was quite frightened that I wouldn't be funny and also quite frightened that I wouldn't be convincing as Midge playing Rose. And I got up there and it talk about a day where you feel like it takes a village. I mean, I felt what everybody was offering me that day. Gideon Glick is the magician doing this gnosis and allowing me to feel like I was somehow like transported above myself. I mean, he really must have taken lessons in it because I, I felt like my feet did leave the ground. And then I had Rachel jump on the stage. If I was, you know, shaking like a leaf because I was so nervous, she just kind of calmed me you know, really got me to sort of breathe as her. And then you had Dan Palladino, who's directing and always so patient with me and always so inspiring. And then you had, you know, Tony out there in the audience and Michael as the audience, you know, like watching, you know, their, their little faces, Justine was there as my daughter-in-law and Will, my son, and they just sat there looking up at me, you know, in character going like, what are you doing? But like underneath it, like, what are you doing? It was such a thrilling scene to do and really a dream come true. You know, it really was like, this is what an actor longs for, that they can <laughs> be hypnotized and, and rise above the stage. I felt so lucky. I really loved it. There's your host, Kevin Pollack, thanking you. I'll see you in my dreams. Until then, be kind to each other. Okay, closing credits time. My Mrs. Maisel pod was created by me, your host, Kevin Pollack, research writer, producer, Jamie Fox, and our engineer, recording, post-production producer genius is Ken Plume. My Mrs. Maisel pod is brought to you by the fine folks at Q-Code. Q-Code. Sounds like something, doesn't it? Oh, lastly, you should know... I'm told by legal to make this crystal clear that my Mrs. Maisel pod was not sanctioned in any way, shape, or form by Amazon Prime, nor the show's creators Amy Sherman Palladino and Dan Palladino, although I feel the need to mention I did get their blessing. Okay, good. That should save me some legal fees. Hi, listeners. This is Jason Liu, creator of Birds of Empire. I am beyond excited to introduce our new season and dive back into the world of New Dakota. Birds of Empire follows four young people from the clans of New Dakota. The bears, the rams, the birds, and the wolves. Each hero we follow will struggle with their own demons, burdens, and hopes as their battles play out across a sprawling, lush, and brutal landscape unlike any that's come before it. Birds of Empire is a modern folk epic that blends elements of history, fantasy, and myth to tell the story of an incredible world that might one day be. Book one, The Dawn Age, introduced us to the world and the heroes who call it home. Book two, The Seed of White Rock, continues our heroes' journeys as destinies collide, revolution brews, and new alliances are formed. All things return. Follow now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, 
or wherever you're listening to never miss an episode. Everyone needs a break from the real world. That's why we played games as kids, and that's why we should play games as adults. I'm Troy Lavalley. And I'm Joe O'Brien. And back in 2015, we started a podcast called The Glass Cannon Podcast, a show made up of comedians and actors playing a fantasy role-playing game. And now is the perfect time to start listening because we just started a brand new story. It's basically Lord of the Rings meets Game of Thrones meets X-Files. Search for The Glass Cannon Podcast on your podcast app of choice. Hey, Life is hard, so come play pretend with us.